part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. As you're seated this morning, you can open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. A couple of weeks ago, we began to look at a series I've kind of loosely entitled Because He Lives. And, and basically, the premise behind that is, okay, we celebrate on Easter Sunday this great resurrection and, and the, this historical fact that really is kind of the pinnacle of all human history. And sometimes after Easter, we're, we're just kind of tempted to go on to whatever is next. And instead of doing that this year, the, what we want to do is, okay, what change does this make? Does the theological truth of Christ's resurrection from the dead... How does that impact you in a practical way? And so, you know, because he lives, what has it done to change your life? And this morning, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at contentment. How can we con- be content? Because of that theological truth, how can that lead to a practical contentment in our heart and our lives? And we began to look at the provision of God and we, the purposes of God. That if God worked all this out in Christ, then we can apply that truth then to our own personal lives. We're going to continue on in that thought this morning as we talk about anxiety and worry and, you know, fear. Those things that can so easily grip us. But I want to know this morning something about you. In spiritual life, we can tend to be very practical or we can be kind of leaned toward the theological. And uh, the theological is, okay, we like the truth. We like the, you know, the word of God. We like all these things. And so we can get kind of heady about those things. If you say, no, I'm a little bit more pragmatic, I'm a little bit more just the nuts and bolts of here's what Christian life should look like every day. Are you more theological, more of that ethereal, that head? Are you, man, I'm just kind of a simple person, I just go out there and kind of live a life. It's not that I ignore the theological, but I'm really into the practical. So how many of you today would say, you know, when it comes to your Christian life, that you really kind of lean toward, it's easy for you to kind of lean toward the theological. You just like heady stuff. You like the, the theological. You love to get into the Word and to have this truth. Raise your hand if you like. Raise it high. Okay, there you go. Okay. Yeah, so, so we have probably maybe one-fifth that, that did that. Okay. You're my buddies. Okay, because I, I'm with you. You know, I, I could really be such a Bible nerd when it comes to that, a theological nerd when it comes to that kind of stuff that I could just go and, you know, talk about all that and sometimes forget, okay, we have to come off of this high lofty mountain of truth and we have to live real life. Now, I'm assuming that those that just didn't raise their hand said, okay, I'm kind of the practical people. I'm the kind of people that, you know, I'm just a nuts and bolts kind of guy or gal. And, uh, you know, I like theology. I know that we have to base the truth. You know, we have to have the, the foundation of the truth. But, you know, when it comes to the Christian life, I'm just kind of going to go out there and live the Christian life. And I think that if we took this survey across churches in America, maybe even across the world, that we would probably find that same thing, that most people would say, you know, maybe one-fifth, one-fourth, they say, I really like the theology, the truth part. Other people say, you know, I'm just kind of a practical people uh, kind of person, and I I know we need the, the theology, but sometimes I just want to go out there and love people. I just want to, you know, honor Christ with my life. That's what makes up the church, all these differences. Now, which way do you think the Bible tells us to lean, theological or practical? Who said both? Yes. You get an A-plus for the day. Okay. That doesn't mean you get to leave early, but you, know, but you get an A-plus for the day. What we see in the Bible is this amazing integration of theological truth 
and practical living. That's why you see a word that comes up quite often, uh, especially in the New Testament, the, the uh, word therefore. That because of this, and it's usually based on a theological truth, here's how you live your lives. See, here's the thing that the two mistakes that we make. Sometimes we forget the theology and focus on the practical. For example, last week, we could have easily just said, okay, we want to go out there and love on our community. And you did a great job doing that. But if we really didn't understand the call to service, then we could be just a bunch of do-gooders. And I don't say that in a bad way, but we could be doing good. And it's what happened in... uh, Kind of the late 1800s and early 1900s, there was a movement among American churches to what we call the social gospel. And that is where they really, okay, here's the poor, here's this, that, and the other. And it was a very meaningful time. But sometimes they got so involved with helping that they forgot that, okay, we really do need to have the gospel in the lives of these people too. In other words, you know, we can feed these people, but if even if we fed them for their entire life and we never shared with them the theological truth of the gospel and really understood that that was the, the foundation, then what, will we have, what have we done? We've filled their bellies for 50, 60, 70 years maybe, and yet we haven't changed their eternal destiny if we didn't share with them the gospel. What happened in the late 1800s and early 1900s wasn't a bad thing for the church to say, hey, you have to live out this faith. But if we leave off the theological and the the gospel just to meet the practical, then we've only done kind of half of what God has called us. But the other mistake is that sometimes we forget the practical because we get so theological. Sometimes, have you ever met some folks that they got it all up here and yet somehow it just doesn't get transformed into daily Christian life? I mean, they can quote Scripture, they can tell you theology, they can quote Spurgeon and all these other people. They can tell you all the theology, and yet maybe it's not really reflected in their everyday life. I don't believe that the Bible ever instructed us to lean toward the theology or lean toward the practical, but that it was to be integrated into our lives. We begin to see that God intended for us to know truth and then to live that truth out, to have a life that is fully integrated to where, you know, the theology, what is the purpose of that? It's to ground us when our feelings are not there. Have you ever had your feelings tell you a lie? You know, where the feelings, you know, I don't think God loves me. Here you are, you're, you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you're a Christian, and yet has there been a day in your Christian life when you didn't feel like God loved you? Yeah. Now, is that biblical truth? Is that theological truth? No, the Bible says that he loves you. Like he loved you before you were a Christian. And yet your feelings tell you, I'm not very loving because I did this. I reacted this way. I failed God in this area of my life. And so we allow our feelings to dictate kind of how we're going to go about that day. And so theology has this importance to say, no, here's the truth of God. Have you ever felt because of a sin in your life that somehow, you know, God was really mad at you? And that's why we have verses like Romans 8.1 that says, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He gives us that theological truth to kind of say, okay, here's now where your feelings can go. But have you ever had those times in your life where, um, uh, you know, you had down the, the, the theology part and, and yet you had a hard time living it out? You knew that the Bible said that because Christ has forgiven you, you are also to forgive someone else and yet you stumbled at forgiveness. Have you ever had that? Had the theology down. Man, I know Christ has forgiven me. 
I got that part. Oh, so I'm supposed to go forgive this person? You know? And, and we stumble with the practical. Well, the Sermon on the Mount, that's where we're looking today, Matthew. We were there a couple weeks ago, Matthew chapter 6. In this sermon, we, what we see is an integration of good theology and good practical living. And he takes truth and he says, from this truth, here's a practical way that you live it out. I'm going to read through verses 25 through 27, and then we're going to come back. It's kind of a, as you can tell, it's kind of a a long thing. But I want to read it kind of in in its completion there, those three verses. And then we'll come back and we'll kind of take each one individually and say, okay, how does this apply? But as we read it, I want you to kind of in your mind, as you're listening to this and as you're reading it with me, Okay, what part is this is theology and what part of this is theology, uh, theology and what part is practical? Verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of much more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of life? Now, does that have some theology in it? Yeah, it's got some truth of God. He talks about the character of God and the faithfulness of God. He said, here's how God even cares for the birds. Does it have some practical way to to live out your life? An instruction of how to take that theological truth and now apply it to your lives. And so Christ, in the Sermon on the Mount, is taking theology and he's taking pragmatism and he's saying, okay, guys, these are integrated. Folks, this is the Christian life. It's a transformed heart and mind. Transformed heart so that I can love and forgive those before that I said, no, they're my enemy. I'm going to forgive them. A transformed mind so that I can begin to respond in faith to the things that God has promised, even when my feelings are not quite there. What we begin to see is this integration of good theology and good practice. Because of this truth, this is the way that we live. Now let's look a little bit closer at verse 25. Therefore I tell you what? It's kind of hard to read. Do not be anxious. Okay, I know we have different versions of the Bible. This is from the um, ESV, English Standard Version. Does anybody have the King James Version? Okay, what does it say in the King James Version? Take no thought. Okay. Anybody have the NIV? Okay. Do not worry. Anybody have New American Standard? NASB, what does it say? Okay, do not be worried, do not worry, do not take thought. I actually, I, I love the King James Version. It's always very poetic. And in this one, I really like it because it take no thought. Don't even go there, is what he's saying. Don't even, don't worry. He says, don't even go there. Take no thought of this. It doesn't matter which one of these different translations you look at, we, we begin to get the same truth. A life that trusts Christ is a life that begins to think differently. Is it instantaneous? Do we go from baby Christian to fully mature Christian overnight? No. That's why this whole year, 2017, part of our focus verse and our vision verse is talking about this race. 
man, we're on this race, and it began that day of salvation, and now we're racing to that finish line, so we see the treasure of Christ and maturity in Christ, and yet it's a race. And if we have the ability to run that race for 40, 50, 60 years, I would pray that we're ever increasing, ever maturing, more and more becoming like Christ in the way that we act, but also in the way that we think. Truth, God's truth, leads to transformation. And we begin to see this in the scripture. What truth was Jesus establishing? That God is a providing God and he's a protecting God. He, he gives the example. He said, birds. How many birds do you see that are not, you know, that, that go around are, are hungry? Yes, they're hungry, but God somehow makes a provision for them. They're not really storing up food. You don't see too many, you know, birds with a suitcase. Grocery bags, you know, maybe they store a little bit in the nest or something like that. But for the most part, there's this daily existence of birds where the provision of yesterday is gone and eaten, and they're now looking for the provision for today. And so he uses something very, very simple that is right there in nature, that's right there before them. He says, this great theological truth that God is a providing God, you know, even comes out in, 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 in birds. We can see this act in nature. Now look at verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. He clothes uh, the, uh, them. And now look at verse 28 uh, and 29. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, he's not telling us that we don't have to go to work. He's not telling us that it's wrong to plan. He's not telling us that somehow we don't have kind of a a goal for life. What he's telling us is when worry and anxiousness, that's really the subject, comes into our lives, how many times do we get distracted and we allow that worry and that anxiety to overwhelm us when God says, look, you trusted me with your salvation and yet you're not going to trust me with tomorrow or even the events of this day? I've always been amazed at that truth. If I ask you right now that if you're in Christ, if you're a Christian, how many of you are trusting Christ for your eternal destiny? I'm going to heaven. I know without a doubt I'm going to heaven. Okay? Why? Because I'm such a good guy? No. Because of what Christ has accomplished. And I really, guys, I don't have any fear of that. I don't have any, you know, uh, uh, desire to go today. You know, unless God would want that. You know, it's, it's very much, I trust his timing. But it's like Paul said, you know, I'm torn between the two, but I know which one is far better. He said, I know that this is my eternal destiny. What God is telling us there is that, okay, you trust me with the biggest thing? Where are you going to spend all eternity forever and ever and ever? And yet you kind of got knocked off your block because this thing for tomorrow? Please do not hear in this, nor hear in what I am saying, that God makes light of the difficulties of life. As the truth is, some people don't have enough money for the month. Some people sometimes go to bed hungry. Sometimes people have different emotional things that they're dealing with in marriage or in family life and difficulties. God is not making light of that. He's making much of the provision of Christ. So whenever we begin to look at these different things, he's not saying, you know, you just, 
I get this. You're, you're so wrong to do this. He knows that we're in a world and that it can be overwhelming and that things begin to pile on. But that's why we have foundational theological truth. Here's what Christ did. And because of this truth, here's now how you can live. Do you see the connection there? He takes the truth and he says, okay, if, if God took care of the biggest thing in your life, your eternity, isn't he going to make provision for tomorrow? Isn't he going to at least be with you in these things, these circumstances that come up into our life? That's the thing that we begin to see here. I, I think that when we begin to look at this scripture, that Jesus is trying to not so much make light of the importance of food and clothing, but he's trying to make much of the providing nature of God. And right now, I would imagine that every one of us in some area of our life have some anxiety, some worry, or some fear. That there's something in our life, it could be physical, it could be mental, it could be relational, it could be anything, that somewhere in our life we've got something going on that if we were really honest, that we say, you know, man, I'm kind of anxious about this. You know, I can't say that I'm worry-free. And sometimes we, I think we try to water down this and say, okay, but certainly God knows that we're going to worry from time to time. I think worry is one of those Christian sins that we try to hide under the table. But Christ is being pretty exact here, guys. He's actually being very dogmatic about this. He says, do not worry. Give no thought. The King James, take no thought. So how do we do that? How do you take this theological truth that God is a providing God, that he provides even for the birds and even for the grass, and if he can do that and he does it well, then he can make provision for you? How do we make that? What's the transforming of your mind? It's the transforming of your heart. Is Jesus trying to make much of the ability of God to provide for his creation? Yes. The test of authentic Christianity, please hear this, the test of authentic Christianity is not how long you can go without food and clothing. He's not saying, okay, every time you think of these things, uh, or the lack of that is a proof of Christianity. He's saying the way that you give everyday problems, everyday situations, the little things, the big things, and you actually say, God, I rest in you for this, is really the truest test of authentic Christian living. Now again, just because you do that doesn't make you a Christian. It's all based on what Christ has done. But living out the Christian life, I, I think I'm kind of stumbling over my words here, but one of the truest tests of Christian life for you and I, when we just water it down, guys, is do we believe this truth? Believe it to the point where we actually live it out. And does that mean that if you brought anxiety or fear or worry or concern, sometimes we clean it up. I have somebody come to me one time and said, well, Pastor, I kind of like that message on worry, but mine isn't so much worry as it is concern. And I said, you know, tomato, tomato, you know, really, you know. (laughs) You know, I think that Jesus, you know, could you say that your concern is there at 2 a.m. in the morning? Well, yeah, I'm concerned at 2 a.m. And I said, well, then I would think that it's kind of anxiety and worry. It kind of all goes in there. We can clean up the wording, but guys, are there things that are so ever-present on your mind and your heart this morning, and it's just a part of your life right now, that that it really is starting to affect, you know, it's there. 
Christ is not minimizing the importance of decisions that you have to make, the importance of daily food and, and clothing and provision, how you to provide for your family. Men, you know, it is part of our DNA. I believe that God established it in the very beginning with Adam, that he put in our DNA that we're providers. He just put it there. It has certainly got corrupted when the fall came. Now, along with that, comes some pride and other things that sometimes, sometimes can taint that. But a God-given trait of my DNA is provider. Uh, ladies, that doesn't mean that you don't do providing. But one thing that God really put in that DNA, you've heard me say it before, is that protecting heart. And, and that's why, you know, you protect things that are around you. And you guard, you know, you know, we just know, don't poke the mama bear. We learn that early in life because mama has this protection mode and I don't care if she's five foot one and 120 pounds, she's going to take you. I mean, she's going to take you. It's just part of that. And yet here's how it can get corrupted in the fall. Both of those things were part of what God put into us in the very beginning. And he put them there purposely. But in the fall, when sin came, now all of a sudden those that providing... When we don't feel like we're providing, guys, we get anxious. We get worried. Mamas, when you don't feel like you're protecting or you don't have that ability to protect, you get anxious and you worry. You see the connection there? Natural things. Things that are part of everyday life. And what God is saying here is, look, I'm not minimizing. Guys, you've got to go out there and you've got to provide your family. Mamas, you know, when your baby is sick, that you want to provide and protect that child from illness. He's not making light of that. What he's doing is making much of this. Hey, when you're anxious, when you begin to worry, do you not know that you have a father right here that he's taking care of the birds? He's taking care of the grass. He's going to take care of you. That's the truth that transformed. Look at verse 31. What's the first word? Therefore. Because of this theological truth that God is a providing God, how do we now live this truth out? He explains, verse 31, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. And your Heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Now, you have to understand the setting here. Jesus is talking to what group of people? Jewish people. And he uses the term here, Gentiles, to basically mean unbelievers. Okay? He brought the gospel to both Jew and Gentile. But in this occasion, he uses that term to talk about people that were not following God. Uh, how many of you have a version that actually uses the word pagan? You know, or unbelievers. Yeah. So a lot of times it's been translated that. But basically it said, look, live this way. Don't be worried. Don't let uh, fear and anxiety consume you over these matters of life. Because this is how unbelievers act. He said, when you act like this, and this is pretty strong words. Cause he said, when you act like this and you're anxious and you're worried, you're actually acting like an unbeliever. And do you think that God is saying that to hurt you or to help you? Yeah. He's not saying, you know, pointing the finger and just saying, you know, look how wrong it is. He's just saying, guys, you're almost ignoring this whole fact of the providence and the provision of God. I mean, think about it. 
so many times a, a little child comes out at 2 o'clock in the morning, Daddy, I'm scared. Mommy, I'm scared. And he said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to protect you. And you know that you will do everything within your power to protect that child. Is that not right? Now, are you all powerful so that you can protect your child from everything in life? No. Is God all powerful that if he desires to, to protect us from, from anything or everything that he can? Yes, he is. And yet we see that desire even within us as moms and dads. But he, as our Heavenly Father, as that provider, he says, look, I, I have that ability to protect you, to provide for you. It may not be everything that you want, but it certainly will be everything that you need. How does that transform our daily living? Well, this morning we come to the um, table and we partake and remember of the provision of God. We remember back that Christ lived, died, and rose again. And when we begin to see that and really think about, okay, what that means, then we begin to say, okay, God... If Christ would die for us, and he's now resurrected, and he's praying for us, then God, this thing that is so heavy on my heart, this thing that is so heavy on my mind, it's not that you make light of that, but I'm carrying this for no reason. You're a loving God. You're a providing God. I can trust you with this. And yet, why we're so careful to stay away from a lot of sins as Christians that are these overt sins, Worry and anxiety are some of those things that can come in and really start to weigh down the Christian heart. The resurrection is there. uh, That truth is a transforming truth. So that we would be able to go out and say, God, I don't understand how you're going to provide. I don't understand how, you know, this is going to happen or that's going to happen. I just trust you. I just trust you. The Bible says that before we come to this table that we're to examine our hearts. And you can examine it in any way that God would lead you today. But what about that? Did you come in here with anxiety? Maybe even that it's turned that anxiety has turned into fear or to worry? And one of the ways that we can have a practical application of the truth this morning as we would come and examine ourselves is, God, I give this totally to you. This has worried me. It's, it's caused anxious moments. It's... it's Something that I'm thinking about at 2 o'clock in the morning and 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And God, I trust you with it. I give it to you. And as I come to this table proclaiming the victory of Christ in his resurrection, I proclaim that you're a God who's able to handle this. Sometimes it is those simple things, guys, that creep into our life. Not this overt sin. Not an addiction to this or an addiction to that or, you know, this adulterous affair or this... Whatever, you know, all those things, well, we kind of have our walls up against that, hopefully. Sometimes worry and anxiety can just kind of come in. And it's especially, we were talking about this in life group today. I think one of Satan's favorite tools in this day and age that we live is just getting us overwhelmed and overburdened and over, you know, over everything. And that we're so busy and we're so, you know, so many plates that we're spending that it doesn't take but just maybe a little crack in some of those things and all of a sudden that worry comes in. So this morning, simple faith, simple childlike faith. Hey God, this is on my heart. You know it is. I confess it. And 
honestly, God, it's turned more from concern to, to worry to anxiety. And I just give it to you. And as I proclaim your death and resurrection this morning, I proclaim that you're a God who's not only willing to handle this, but you're able to handle this. Let's pray. And then just as uh, in, in, here at Cornerstone, uh, we can do Lord's Supper in a lot of different ways. If you're new to our church, we invite you, if you have life in Christ, that is, you put your full faith and trust in Christ, we invite you to partake with us, whether this is your first time here or whether this is your home church. If you are in Christ, we do pray that, uh, that you would feel welcome to come to the table. If you are not a Christian, we do not do this to discriminate against you, but this transforming truth, here, here's the bottom line, guys, this transforming truth was not generically made to every human. Christ is talking to those people that have put faith and trust. He said, here's the dividing line about those who are just human, and these are the ones who have placed faith in who he was. And so this morning, this table is for Christians, not because we're better, not because we're trying to be hateful or anything like this, but it is something for Christians and who have found this transforming truth in Christ. And uh, the way that we do it here is that you would just come up in a, uh, a certain, you know, as, as God would lead you. And uh, this represents the body of Christ. You would take that. And sometimes people pray. Sometimes they come out as an entire family. You dip it into the juice there that is representative of the blood of Christ. And then you just partake. And you just, Thank you, God. I proclaim your victory over sin, death, and the grave. And that same way, I'm, I'm proclaiming your victory over these things that have me anxious and worried this morning. Let's pray together. Father God, as we come this morning, as we come to your table, Father, we realize that in this ordinance that your son said that to continue to do this until his return, that Father, you've done that, not so that we could do something in a repetitive motion, but, Father, that we could be ever reminded of what sometimes easily escapes us. You're a providing God. And for those that are seeking direction today, Father, in Christ, we know that you will give direction. For those that are seeking comfort from broken hearts, Father, we know that, that you can provide comfort. For those that are tired and wearied, you said that you will provide rest. For those that are overwhelmed with fear, you said that you will give peace, your peace, not as the world gives, but as you give. Father, this is the transforming truth of the gospel. And Father, as we proclaim your, your son's resurrection today, and as we're reminded of that victory, Father, we pray that in a very practical way, that Father, that we can have victory over these areas of our life. Father, we love you. And we thank you. And we give you these moments, Father. Speak to our hearts. Encourage our hearts. Remind us of this theological truth that begins to transform our practical life. As we pray all this in the one that made it possible, Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening today. 
We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.